Welcome to episode 30 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today, once again, we're going to take a little break from the Women of the Bible series, and we are going to discuss the idea that ultimately we answer to God. Are there qualifiers with that? Absolutely. But when society, when the world, when our culture, our communities, our churches have opinions about you and what you're doing, today's episode is about remembering that the one you actually answer to and ultimately answer to above all others is God. All right, let's get started. Hey, Millennial. Welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate creator and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. God, thank you so much that you are always with us. Thank you that your presence is everywhere. And I pray that we would feel it and that your spirit would be moving in our hearts and in our minds and our thoughts and our actions and all that we are, and that we would sense you at work. And I pray that you would just remind us over and over and over again that we answer to you above all others. And I thank you for that. I thank you for that because you are wise, you are powerful, you are kind, you are good, and you're the one I want to answer to. We love you, Lord. Please speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to divide this into little sections here today, maybe a little different than usual. First, I'm going to talk about the premise, then the qualifiers, because of course everything's got to be qualified. Then we'll go into the truth and then into the Bible passages. So let's start with kind of the premise for this episode and kind of what I'm trying to get at today. My premise is that humans are sinful. The world is sinful. Our churches are run by sinful people. So all these different aspects, our world, our culture, our churches, they're not above the taint of sin. In fact, sin is present everywhere. Sin is within us. It's insidious. It is within every entity, every person in the entire world on this side of heaven, right? And sometimes the sin is really obvious and really clear and really easy to point out. And sometimes it's really not. Sometimes it's something really internal or it's hidden or it's something that's really hard to see at first, but it's still there. And sometimes it's only seen by some people in your church because it affects them more. And sometimes it's not seen by a lot of other members of the church. And that doesn't mean it's not sin. That doesn't mean it's not a problem. That doesn't mean it doesn't need to be exposed. It does need to be exposed and brought into the light. All sin does. 
that we can be free, that we can be redeemed and repentant. And sometimes the sin, it's been normalized and accepted for so long that we don't see the problem. We don't see it at all, like I said. And sometimes the people in power in whatever place this is, whether it's the church, a community, a school, whatever, sometimes the people in power have benefited so much from the sin, so much that they have actually lost sight of their first love. And what is their first love? God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And who is our God? God is one who hates sin. And yet he is also the one who redeems us from it. He's the one who loves us, who stands with the oppressed, who cares for the powerless over and over and over again in the Bible. God is constantly doing that if we look for it and if we have eyes to see it. And something I want to remind us of too, especially myself, is God is one who cares about truth, about justice repentance and redemption of his people and of his church. God cares about that. That's the process of being sanctified, of being made new, of being rid of our sins as we repent and bring them before the king and accept the holy sacrifice that Jesus has made for us and that brings us into the right relationship with God. And then we continue to sin and we have to keep repenting. And something that I keep coming back to is there are verses in the Bible that talk about unity, that talk about being of one mind and not letting division happen in the church. And I think that is important to keep in mind. But I think too, what kind of church are we keeping unity with if it is one that oppresses people? Would Jesus prioritize unity of the church, even if it's a false unity, a unity that looks like unity on the surface, but underneath has deep, deep rooted flaws and has deep rooted oppression? Would Jesus prioritize that kind of unity of the church over justice? That's a good question to think about and to dwell on. Would he say that it's okay to oppress, harm, or silence people in his church as long as there is peace, as long as it looks like everything is good on the surface? What even is true unity? Isn't being of one mind meaning that you know what's going on in the minds of the people in your church? That they're in agreement? That they see things in a similar way? That doesn't mean everyone has to be exactly the same. We all have different opinions. We're all unique creatures. But when it comes to the work of the church, when it comes to the purpose of the church, when it comes to the service of the church, I think we have to ask these deeper questions. And when it comes to Jesus, when I'm reading about him in the New Testament, I see someone who rebuked privileged Pharisees, people who were religious People who knew it all, who had all the right credentials and training. Yet they missed it. They missed it. And he points it out to them over and over again. And many of them were unrepentant. 
And who did Jesus spend his time with? He said that he spent his time with the sick, the ones who needed the healer, right? He was spending his time loving the poor, loving the lowly, loving the people who had been oppressed by society. That is who he spent his time with. So let's think about that as we continue today. And when we stand up and we challenge the harms and the wrongs in our world, in our society, in our church, I want to remind us that there is going to be pushback. There will be spiritual forces at work against you. There will be weird looks from people. There will be people telling you to let it go for whatever sake, maybe the sake of unity. But we can't do that, friends. If we see injustice and oppression, we can't do that. If God tells us to stand for certain things, we do that. God cares for the lowly, the poor, the unseen. He sees them. And you, my friend, answer to God. Above all others, you answer to God. And so do I. So obviously, we got to move into the section that's the qualifiers. (laughs) Look, are there people, community, things in place that are meant to guide us, check us, and challenge us? Yes, we are sinful people. And a lot of times we don't see our own sin. We need community. We need accountability. We need to assume that our personal sin is going to taint our view of things. Even the way we go about fulfilling the callings that God has placed on our lives. And that is really a huge reason why we need a loving community that keeps us in check, that challenges us when we need it. It's so necessary and beneficial and required for a believer. We are not supposed to live our faith out in solitude. We are supposed to have community. We are supposed to have people in our lives who guide us back when we have strayed. But also... We respond to the call of God first. And look, if your community is telling you to perpetuate a system or a belief that harms a people group, that oppresses a people group, that community likely has a sin issue as a whole. There might not be everybody, but it might be as a whole that community has a sin issue. And that sin issue is likely connected to prioritizing comfort or feeling good or feeling like a good person over the truth, over repentance, over being willing to expose the sin. So my encouragement to you today is to keep your eyes open, to stay humble, and to go with God. The other big qualifier I want to put in here is the Bible. We have the word of God. We have it there. And it, whatever we're doing, however we're spending our time in pursuit of our calling, everything that we do has got to be consistent with the Bible. And if your calling conflicts with scripture, we have a problem. Okay? So I'm not saying you can do whatever you want. I'm not saying like, you know... Just because people said that they heard it from God means they can do whatever they want. We have the Bible. We have accountability. We have, I hope, godly men and women around us who are guiding us towards the truth and who are not so entrenched in their own sin that they can't help us. But 
what I will say too, is if you're earnestly looking to challenge an interpretation of scripture that God has put on your heart as, hey, this traditional interpretation is wrong, you should pursue that. You should learn about it. You should research it. You should go to good, scholarly, thoughtful sources, not just like some weird social media meme that you saw that doesn't have any sources or credentials or anything cited. Look, we've got to research and pursue these things. We have got to ask questions, interview people, learn more, do that historical digging. If we think something in scripture, the way it's been interpreted is wrong. Not that the scripture is wrong, but that the way we viewed the scripture is wrong. And that is part of the journey that I'm on right now, trying to figure out, hey, is the traditional interpretation of scripture talking about complementarianism and gender roles, is it wrong? It is good to pursue things like that. It is good to sit back and say, hey, have humans messed this up? That's different from just deciding like, oh, my calling is to do something that harms people and whatever, even though the Bible says not to harm people, I'm going to do it anyways. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. We can't do that. (laughs) Okay, we have to be consistent with the teachings of scripture. All right, that's the qualifiers. Now the truth, the truth, my friends. If God is giving you a calling in different seasons of your life, maybe there's multiple things you're supposed to be working on. Maybe there's just one. Maybe your calling is rest. Maybe your calling is motherhood. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's talking to a friend. Maybe it's working on a project. Maybe it's ministry. Whatever it is, the words that he tells you trumps everything else. Just, of course, make sure it's actually coming from God. Make sure you're seeking godly counsel and make sure you're reading the Bible. The truth is that when the world looks at you weird, when you advocate for the oppressed or challenge the sin of the church or your community, there will be pushback. There will be. That doesn't mean you're wrong if it's truly a calling from God. And I believe that American churches are actually going through a bit of a reckoning right now. I do. I think that Millennials and actually the generation below us, um, Gen X, are challenging what they've been taught. And I think that there's this big separation that's happening in our generations, in our minds right now, where we are separating the culture of Christianity from what is actually Christianity. And I think that we're questioning as a whole the teachings of the church. And this is like the big church, the across America type church. And I think that this is good. I think we could use a good shakeup. I think we need it. I think there are a lot of sin issues that need to be looked at very closely that the church has been perpetuating for a long time. I saw something, (laughs) speaking of social media posts, I saw something on Facebook the other day. It it was talking about deconstructionism, which is not necessarily what I'm talking about, but can be part of it. And I want to just kind of adapt the idea there into something else. And what I would say is, what if revival actually looks like doubt? And this doesn't necessarily mean doubt of God, but doubt of the extra biblical teachings of the church. What if the millennials who are questioning the practices and the extra biblical teachings of the church are right. And what if they're doing the Lord's work? 
What if the people who are challenging traditional interpretations of scripture are right and doing the Lord's work? Not every single one of us, not every single thing that is being examined, but are we willing to consider that we might be right to shake these things up? And are we willing to listen to people who are expressing concerns about things? Are we willing to speak when God tells us to speak? And are we willing to move when God tells us to move, even if it's against the culture of your church, even if it feels uncomfortable, even if it risks something personal to you? What are you willing to sacrifice? to follow the calling God has given you. It might look like sacrificing your comfort. It might look like sacrificing your reputation, the way others perceive you. It's hard, but it's worth considering. Just remember that ultimately you answer to God above all else, above all others. If he tells you to do something, you've got to obey. I've got to obey. And even if it doesn't make total sense, because a lot of times we don't get to see down the road. We don't know where things are headed. Even if you don't understand the steps to take or where it will lead or when it will lead, (laughs) you obey. Just like Hannah giving up her firstborn to serve the Lord after waiting for him for so long. Just like the Queen of Sheba coming from a foreign land to learn of a mighty God. Just like Esther risking her life to save her people. And just like Rahab hiding the Israelite spies at great personal risk to herself because she knew that God was there and wanted to learn about him. And just like Mary praising God for getting to birth the savior of the world, even if society would shun her for her unwed conception. These women did what God asked, even if society would look down on them, even if they would be condemned. They looked at God, they answered his call, and they were obedient. God does the calling and we do the responding, and then God brings the fruit. That, my friends, is the most beautiful part. We just obey and he does the work. He is the one who is powerful, not us. We are not powerful. We are not. God is truly powerful. And he is responsible for the outcome when we take steps in obedience to him. Now, maybe this is another qualifier here. This does not mean that we can be hurtful, mean, or unempathetic to people. We can't. We are called to love one another, our neighbor, whether we like our neighbor or not. We've got to bring our sin and bitterness and resentment that we have towards other people, we have to bring that before God and repent repeatedly. Not one of us is perfect. Not one of us is without sin. But we also tell the truth and love to other people. That is part of loving them. But we've got to be humble while we do it. There's this really great article that's written by, by Brandon Henry on the Witness website. The Witness is actually a Black Christian collective And it is an excellent resource. They have great podcasts. They have a podcast called Pass the Mic. That's really great. I listen to it a lot. 
They have this article on their website that's actually about confronting racism and sexism. It's awesome. So I'm going to link that in the show notes and I highly recommend that you read it because it's important information. So now the last section is the Bible passages. I'm going to share two with you. And the first one is one that I've shared before, but I think it bears repeating. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. And it's after Peter has denied Jesus three times. Peter was Jesus's disciple. He told Jesus he would never abandon him. And then Jesus predicted that Peter would deny that he knew Jesus three times. Peter does that. Jesus is crucified. Jesus dies. And then he's resurrected. And Peter and Jesus are having a conversation while Jesus has been resurrected. So he's there present with Peter after all of this stuff has gone down. This is the end of John chapter 21, which is actually the end of the book of John. Starting in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said to him, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Oh, I love that verse. I, I love that series of verses because Peter is told that he is going to die by crucifixion, which, which is such a scary thing that you know is going to happen to you in your future. And he does something so human. He looks around and he sees his friend John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he said, hey, what about this guy? You know, <laughs> what about him? I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But in that moment, Jesus responds to him like, hey, what is that to you? You must follow me. We follow God. We follow the calling on our lives. And God does different things with different people's lives. We don't all have the same calling. Thank God. <laughs> I don't want the same calling as everyone else. I want the calling that God has made me for. And John, the other disciple, was not going to have a gory death as far as we know. And Peter was. And Peter was going to tend to God's people. He was going to build up the early church. And John had other duties. But each responded to the call of God and did what Jesus told them to do. And God brought amazing fruit out of their obedience. So please don't be discouraged if your calling is hard. It's worthwhile. It matters to God, so it matters to us. 
The last thing I wanted to do is read 2 Corinthians 4. The chapter before, which is 2 Corinthians 3, actually talks about how we're transformed by God, and I find chapter 4 really informative and also really encouraging. I know it's 18 verses, a little bit long, but I do want to read it in its entirety. Chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I hope that chapter is really encouraging for you as you go about living out your calling. Remember that God has the power, he has the ability, he has the transformation. We look to him, we obey him, and we preach Jesus. And God works through humans, and God is the one who is powerful, not humans. All right, to summarize, and I'd say today the summary is really just this. You follow God. Should you have people in your life that guide you back into place? Yes, you should have accountability. Should you read the Bible and obey its words? Yes. Should you follow God and pursue his calling for your life at great personal risk? Yes. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you that you never abandon us. You give us amazing callings, ones that are worthwhile and eternal, but you do not abandon us to do them on our own. You call, we respond, 
we obey and you do the work. You bring the fruit. You change the hearts. You move the mountains. Everything is yours. You are so powerful. God, let us live lives that are meaningful and important eternally. We love you. We focus on you. We respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.